0: on this episode of In The Rack Podcast.
1: With this whole polarization of the, the manual therapy debate, you have people that on one side think it's useless, and then you got people on the other side who think it's everything, and they only do that. And that's a problem because, you know, now, now you have gaps. You have things that might be useful for- What's it? What's it? What you
0: got? Welcome. To in The Rack Podcast, where we provide you with a practical framework for breaking PRs in all facets of health and wellness. We are just a couple of bros giving you the simple house in a world of complex wants. No filters, no scripts, no rules, just straight talk. Talk to him. Now, let's get into The Rack with your hosts, Dr. Chad and Dr. Nick. All right, everyone. Welcome to episode 11 of In The Rack Podcast. I'm your host, Chad, and with me is my co-host and fellow physical therapist, Nick. So I want to be upfront and say that sorry if my voice is raspy and I feel like I'm out of breath because we just finished a group workout with F45 Salisbury. So shout out to you guys. You guys kicked our butts today. So um, if I'm coughing, I'm still coughing up my lung because she said it was... Uh supposed to be a hybrid workout. I don't know what the hybrid is. It felt like was it supposed to be like between resistance and cardio? Because I felt like it was just all that cardio. Sounds like, that sounds like hybrid. <laughs> no, it was a great workout and we we appreciated it. we she kicked our butts, but you know, we came back and we wanted to spend some time and, and get this podcast done. So today we have a good episode for you guys and we're gonna talk about that great old debate about the use of manual therapy in the field of physical therapy. I kind of touched up on this one last time. And, you know, there seems to be a huge disconnect in the profession of physical therapy in terms of which side of the tier you're on, whether you're all manual, whether you're no manual or you're like Nick and I, and we dabble with, with a lot of it. So, I mean, we, we kind of talked last time We're we're right around that 70, 30. So we do about 70, 30, 70 and 30 manual in terms of percentage wise. So we're, we've, we definitely incorporate it within our treatments, but we wanted to kind of set the record straight. And give everybody a little bit of information on both sides because we're not saying that these influencers are, you know, correct. We're not saying that they're wrong, but we do want to give our side of the story and then you guys can make your decisions based off of that, you know, so.
1: And before anybody gets, gets you know, comes at us for for being 70-30, that's, that's in general, that's an average. So obviously with someone they come in, we might be you know, 60, 40, 70, 30 at the beginning when they're really flared up. And as time goes on, that shifts to a hundred percent exercise. So don't, don't think that we're just out here doing a ton of extra stuff just because we're doing it early on when pain's the worst.
0: Yeah. And, and we offer the training as well as the PT here And in our course of, of progressing patients to that therapeutic exercise size is to get them into more of the training aspect once they're ready and they're, they're past that PT point. So that's that's the nice thing about the hybrid approach that we have here. But yes, in this profession, there is a crazy disconnect. It's kind of disappointing as a PT, I'm going to be honest. And it's it's disappointing because especially once you get into the social media aspect that there's so much hate and disrespect between the providers. And I honestly think this is the reason or one of the reasons why the profession is, is being held back. And we can't all be you know on a, on the same team, we can't all be you know working with each other instead, we have to call each other out all the time so instead of you know talking shit let's say about manual and how it's useless and how it doesn't work, I mean that's a pretty bold statement you know to make and we're we're going to clear that up today and talk about both sides of the fence, but they call these people influencers on on social media and i I kind of vented about this a little bit last time, but I just want to kind of dive into the definition of what an actual influencer is before we kind of dive into this this podcast on manual therapy. Seems that we have a lot of these lately, you know, and and just because they have the blue check mark doesn't mean that they know all and all as well. I mean, we do have a lot of respect for these people, of course, but an influencer by definition is a person who guides the action of others. Now, In that definition, it doesn't say anything about it being a good decision or a bad decision. It's however you feel that decision affects you. So this is where we have to decide as professionals where we're going to go with this information. Are we going to use this as a positive or a negative influence for our patients or clients, whatever it may be? So, you know, I'm going to be as respectful as I can on this. And I was going to make some call outs, but I'm not going to make any call outs today. But I am going to give a call out in terms of what people are saying. And if you find that some of these things that we're saying are familiar, you could probably guess who we're talking about. So instead of us just calling you straight out, we're just saying that this is what these quote unquote influencers are saying on social media. And we just want to clear that up. And what I mean by that is, for example, here's one quote for you. I don't think manual therapy should be part of our profession at all. Physiotherapy is striving to be a respected, evidence-based healthcare profession. To do this, we need to recognize what is high-value, cost-effective treatment and what isn't. And then it goes on to say, manual therapy isn't. There's also another quote out there that says, there is no skill in manual therapy and that anyone can do manual therapy. So we need to clear this all up. And I honestly think Personally, this is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. (laughs) And it's also another reason why we're just like so on opposite sides of the fence. Now, I don't think some of these people are like, yep, manual therapy shouldn't be done. But I think some of these people also like to ruffle feathers too. And it's the people that don't understand what they're trying to say that take that literally as possible and saying, yep, manual therapy is just garbage. Because I don't think some of these people are actually saying that. I just think that manual therapy is over abused in the system so much that they're really just trying to harp on that that part of the manual therapy. So, you know, Nick is a little bit newer to the game of PT than I am. So, what do you think about this whole manual therapy debate, Nick?
1: Um, I just think it's interesting cuz it's so polarizing. Like you said where you kind of have the two side the two extremes and very rarely should you ever be very extreme about any one thing. I mean, you, should, you could sway more towards one side or the other, but usually problems start to arise when you get extremist about something, and that really goes for anything. But with this whole polarization of the, the manual therapy debate, you have people that on one side think it's useless, and then you've got people on the other side who think it's everything, and they only do that. And that's a problem because you know now, now you have gaps. You have things that might be useful, for an individual, a, a particular patient, and we're either not doing them or only doing them, and that can become problematic. Not necessarily because you're harming the person, but you just might be leaving things on the table that that could be could be useful or or helpful. So I think being in the middle ground is is you know or somewhere in the middle, if we consider it like a spectrum or a continuum, somewhere closer to that middle where it's in the toolbox. You know, you might go to it if you need to, or you feel that it might might be helpful, then you go to it. Um, you know, as with any debate, I think it's important that we define it too. I mean, manual therapy is, it could be a number of things. You know, it could be instrument assisted where you're using tools to provide soft tissue mobilization. It could be, cupping's a huge one out there right now. You know, there's a variety of techniques. You could even consider something like kinesio tape manual therapy. Some people do, some people don't, you know, that's a whole nother, you know, debate, but Those types of things where it's hands-on, it would be considered passive to some extent. But we'll talk more about that because I would argue that manual therapy isn't always passive. We do a ton of here, um, you know, manual therapy with mobilization or with movement, you know, so the the individual is actually moving while we're doing something manual to the tissues. So I don't think it's always passive. It can be very, very much engaging and active for the, the patient or client.
0: Yeah, and what Nick is talking about is he's talking about we call it functional manual reaction, and it's us trying to develop these movement patterns for patients that they may not be able to do, but the guidance of us having our hands on these patients, we might be able to get them to feel the movement that we're trying to get them to execute,
1: or even like without it could it might not be hands, maybe it's cups, maybe we yep. put cups on someone uh, in an area that we're trying to get them to feel or sense. And then we go through a particular movement. So now it's like, oh, yeah, you feel where the cups are? You feel the cups tugging on that area? Yeah, that's where we want you to feel this. So, you know, it could be just useful for awareness. So when we talk about anything, we define it. But then we also want to talk about what it is and what it isn't. So let's go what it isn't first, manual therapy, what it does and does not do. It does not do, it does not fix anything, right? It does not correct anything. We don't even like to use the word fix because it implies people are broken. They're not. It doesn't break up adhesions or scar tissue. We'll talk more about that. It does not elongate or lengthen tight muscles for you. It might decrease that perception of tightness, but it's not actually lengthening those tissues. And it does absolutely nothing permanent, right? It's all short-term. And those are things it doesn't do. And as long as you're upfront with a patient or a client about that, we see no problem with it. So the potential benefits of manual therapy, this list is a little bit longer than what it doesn't do. So it can, like I said before, it can decrease that localized sensitivity. So if someone is in pain in a particular area, that tissue is overly sensitive. It can decrease that sensitivity. That's a good thing, right? It can improve the, the flow of blood, lymph, even the water molecules in the tissue. I'll talk more about that and mobilize these molecules in the tissues. That can be a good thing. It can decrease the palpable stiffness. So the stiffness you can feel like when you touch a tissue, it just feels stiffer than maybe the tissue on the other leg or arm or other side of the body and decreases the d- density of the tissues. We're starting to learn much more about this. We still don't quite know what's causing the palpable stiffness and density. We're we're learning more and more. I'm going to talk about a study in a minute. It can decrease or reduce your threat to the central nervous system. So a lot of people nowadays are on this sympathetically overdriven so their fight or flight system is 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 ruling right so the manual therapy can really calm them down and get that sympathetic overdrive to tone down so on the contrary to that you can increase parasympathetic activity which again if people are overly sympathetic we want that parasympathetic to be pumping a little bit you can increase we talked about just before with the mobilization stuff with movement You can increase the individual's awareness, neural awareness of a body part, which the terms are proprioception, kinesthesia. Those are the fancy terms for just people's awareness of where their body is either in space, not moving or moving. And then again, this is a big one for us that it can improve buy-in. And some people argue that that's a bad thing that you're, you're basically trying to, you know, almost like lie to them. You're trying to sell this or reinforce it with, it's like you know, oh, if you do this, I'll give you some candy, saying that to a little kid, right? It's a similar idea, but not really, because if someone has had PT in the past, and we see this all the time where people come to us after they had, you know, we'll call it poor PT, but PT that didn't help them, it didn't work. You know, this can be a difference for them that is a huge change. Um, and, and you know, Chad will give a, um, an example of this later, but, you know, this could be something that gives them a little bit more, Um, comfort with where they're at their particular situation right now and we can open up that window of opportunity for them to exercise and move with less pain which is always a good thing so those are all the benefits of manual therapy when we talk about that list yeah some some of those things may not happen for a particular person but even if we hit one of them i would say that's a win so that's that's pretty big in my opinion and if you look at that compare that to what the list of manual therapy doesn't do being somewhere in the middle it's probably okay. You know, you're you're not gonna hurt anybody. And our first rule as healthcare providers, do no harm, right? So we're not harming anybody. You're not doing anything crazy. Yeah, you could argue it when you talk about stuff like dry needling, but even then, that's been shown to be super super safe as long as you've been educated and taught how to do it appropriately. Um, but that's those are the two kind of lists we're comparing when we do that. You know, it's 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 easier to lean towards that manual therapy side for sure.
0: Like Nick was saying, it's it's very easy to be on both sides for sure. And and we've seen patients on both sides when they come to the clinic. I, we've had patients that come in that, you know, were unhappy with their PT because all they were doing was exercise. And they were like, man, but I just got this low back pain. And yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. Is exercise important? Absolutely. Do we always have to treat the symptoms? No. Uh, But maybe treating those symptoms might get a patient to the point where they're mentally better able to get through some exercise because they can't do it because they don't don't think that they're going to be able to get through it. So it's this mental barrier that they're trying to overcome. And then we have the other side of the spectrum where they've been just, uh, this is a, an example of a patient that I just had the other day, not even a lie, it's it's super fresh in my mind, but he came in, total knee replacement after five weeks, and the, he claimed that the PT was wailing on him. That Those are his exact words, wailing on him. And I can see that. And it's, you know, it, it's one of those, unfortunately, like Nick was saying, it's quote unquote poor PT. Because this professional couldn't see the fact that this guy just was not responding to that type of treatment. And he couldn't figure out how to modify the treatment so that this guy could progress in a safe manner. Instead, he's lacking like 10 degrees of knee extension. And he literally was like throwing a weight on his knee. He was trying to really cram him down to extension. And the guy was fighting the whole time. He was in so much pain. He was like, dude, I couldn't sleep afterwards. And it's like, man, is this really the road that we need to be going down? Yeah. So that's an example of where manual therapy might be more harm than it is good for him. And he immediately associates manual therapy with being a bad thing. Now, did that mean that I didn't do manual therapy when he came in? No, but I just changed my treatment approach with him. You know, we need to get him to not be in a threatening response because like Nick was saying, he's so sympathetic. He's just going to fight against me, everything that I do with him. And it's it's just not worth pushing him. But that is a a good situation in which, you know, manual therapy might
1: not be a good idea for this guy, you know? And that's where the skill comes in too. So, you know, people say it's not skillful, but yeah, I mean, it's not, you know, you talk about something like Graston, okay, you know, you go through the weekend course and and learn it. Yeah, it's not that difficult, but it does take some feel, you know, on different people because you're going to, everybody's, you know, limbs, body parts, whatever you're working on. It's going to feel differently. Some people will feel more of that palpable stiffness, but maybe that's their norm, right? So it takes this, you know, these repetitions to gain that feel. And then, you know, you're comparing what you're feeling with facial expressions, with what they're saying, with all this stuff. So the skill comes in combining all the information that you have and then deciding what's best. And then, like I said before, where you got multiple tools in the toolbox. Okay, what do we think is going to work best? We do. We actually do a lot of body tempering here. People don't know what that is. It's basically reverse foam rolling. So it's a weighted roller that you roll on the tissues, on the muscles. And, you know, if you foam roll, people are like, oh yeah, it hurts so good. Yeah. Foam rolling is not particularly that comfortable, especially in areas where you do have, you might have some pain. Well, body tempering is that on steroids. So, you know, it can be super, super helpful, but on the right person, right? Because that can be a little bit more intense versus if we were going to do grass most people can tolerate that, or you can scale it back to make most people tolerate it. So, there is skill in it. The skill isn't necessarily in the hands on stuff, but it's more so in combining the the information you're gaining in the moment and making a decision off that. That's where it comes.
0: Yeah. Like how much to do, how hard exactly. to push,
1: what manual therapy is going
0: to be the most beneficial for this patient. And as long as you can justify the reason and you can help your patient reach their goals, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. And for people to say that it's useless, I would argue that. And now, with that being said, I will agree with some of the arguments that could be valid. You know, and and some of those arguments, and and this is more of an argument against the profession itself. And the first thing I'm going to say is, is like Nick was saying earlier, it's the language surrounding the manual therapy. I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I hear about, which is kind of disappointing. And I don't really know where some of these people are getting their information from. You know, for example, like somebody's coming in and they're talking about, they want to get cupping and they're talking about the you know, quote unquote toxins and uh, blood flow and all this other stuff. And yeah, I mean, maybe, I don't know. It hasn't really been proven by research to do that, but that's not really the reason why we're using it. You know, we're not talking about trying to increase blood flow because let's be honest, it's not going to happen deep enough for it to have a physiological change for the patient. But what we are doing is we're creating an environment where it's decompression, where it's creating you know surfaces to slide better on each other like Nick was talking about with the molecules in between the the fascial tissues you know and and it's more about creating that That stimulus of the nervous system than it is about actually getting the blood flow in the area. So it's it's really our fault as providers that we're just giving the wrong language to these patients, and then they go tell all their friends, and then all their friends tell their friends, and now
1: everybody thinks that cupping is just relieving toxins out of their body. Or another one that we hear a lot is people will come to us having gotten some particular treatment in the past, and the the provider told them that it's going to fix this, it's going to fix your tight hamstrings, it's going to you know, lengthen, correct, whatever, Though that type of verbiage is not accurate and that's not fair to the patient because now they think that's what they need to help them with this forever, right? Like they've, they've now associated that in their brain and that's not fair. You have to be very, very upfront about what this is and what, what it isn't. You have to reiterate it as well because people will tend to resort back to this stuff they may have heard in the past. So it's our job to make sure that we're adamant about what it is, what it isn't, what we're doing, why we're doing it, And then, you know, what is really going to help long term manual therapy is just the short term relief, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And this is like heavy on
0: the modality side, like passive modalities like your STEM or your ultrasound or your laser. I mean, I can't tell you how many patients that have come in and they were like, Are you going to do laser? Because I felt really good after my laser treatment at this last place that I went to. And I said, Is it because they told you X, Y, and Z? And they were like, Yeah. Well, the brain is so powerful that you've convinced yourself that you just got all this healing because of this. Cold laser, when in actuality, it was just your brain that was turning off that output of pain, and it really wasn't the laser at all.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? And, so. and to clarify too, when we say laser ultrasound, we don't do any of that stuff. That stuff is we're not we're not grouping <laughs> that into manual therapy. That's its own thing. But people may may group that in. We I mean we don't. We do more of the the hands on the instrument assisted stuff that we, we do use cups. We use the body tempering. We'll do body. We'll even combine body tempering with movement. You know, we do a lot of uh, mobilizations with our hands as people are moving both, both ways. Um, All that kind of stuff. We'll combine manual resistance when we're doing, um, you know, passive range of motion type of stuff. So that's the stuff we're referring to. We're not referring to ultrasound uh, stem. Correct. uh, That kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. And, And I just wanted to kind of give that relationship to how powerful some of that language can be. And that's how we'll usually see it in this type of a setting. But the second, I think, argument that most people say is, you know, we're developing a patient dependency on manual therapy. And I think that's true. I think if the, and again, that's all on the therapist's fault. And the therapist is almost making the patient feel like they need this in order to feel better. Instead of progressing them, like Nick was talking about earlier, progressing them from maybe like, a 40% manual, 30% manual to 20 to 10 to nothing, you know, and then they're all just doing exercise. So to get them to see that plan is just as important because otherwise they're going to think, oh, what, I'm not getting my manual therapy today. <laughs> it's like, no, dude, you're past that. Oh, why am I past that? You know, so then they start asking questions, but you need to be clearing up front with the patient right off the bat and say, well, I have to do this forever, but we need to do it right now because we need to calm down your symptoms so we can get through some of these movement patterns we want to get through, you know, whatever your goal may be. So I think that's also one of the big arguments and I, I would agree with that. And, Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And I think that, you know, we also need to be mindful of the fact that, you know, we're not creating any long-term change with these manual therapies like Nick was saying earlier. The effects on pain and function are short-term. So it's it's short-term and we're using it in conjunction with other treatments. So for you to say that there's a long-term effect on doing graston on somebody or doing body tempering, we know that that's not true. But if we're telling patients this, than they think that it is. And that's how important that language can be and how much of it is on us as the provider to make sure that they understand what the purpose of this manual therapy is.
1: All right. So I'm going to nerd out a little bit real quick. Uh, so I like to bring research into the equation because people will always say, oh, well, there's no research. There is research. And there was some cool research that came out in 2020. So very recently it was this study that used a new type of MRI technique. It's it's called like T1 mapping or something. But no- Nevertheless, it allows you to see essentially deeper, uh, but it allows you to see specific molecules in the tissue. So they could actually separate on the images water molecules from other molecules in the extracellular matrix of the cells. So looking down at the cellular level more so than, um, you know, like the, 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 on the bigger scale, the muscle, muscle fibers and stuff like that. So this new technique is allowing us to learn more and more. So basically what they did in this study, they wanted to see people who had pain in a certain joint um, compared to people who didn't have pain. Um, and then they even looked at the separate limbs. So I think they were looking at people's elbows, if I remember correctly. So, um, you know, they look right to left. So if someone has pain on the right, they look at the left as well. Nonetheless, they were, they were finding this, um, you know, these, these similarities between people in pain that their water molecules were acting differently than the non-painful side. So basically, they determined that water was either bound or unbound. And if it was bound, it, the water molecules were attaching to two, two molecules. One's called glycosaminoglycan, and the other one's hyaluronic acid. You probably heard hyaluronic acid on, you know, advertisements for lotions and things like that. But that's in your tissues. And when it binds to water, it creates essentially a lubricant. And unbound would mean that the water molecules were self-aggregated to to themselves and the glycosaminoglycan and the hyaluronic acid were bound to themselves as well and that kind of created like a sticky substance so they saw these differences in the tissues there was more unbound molecules in the painful limbs and then what they did was and obviously in conjunction people weren't you know reporting their their pain levels so what they did was they did what what's called in the research fascial manipulation so it's Basically, just deep friction along the um, the fascial lines, you know. So there's various ones throughout the body, um, but they they followed, you know, the lines of tissue, and they did this deep friction massage. And afterwards, they they re-imaged them, and not only were the people in less pain, but there was a reduction in the unbound molecules. So it flushed out this sticky substance. And then the hope is after, once that's kind of flushed out, is that when the, the, the molecules kind of come back in, they fill back in, that they aggregate appropriately. Now, will that happen with just manual? No, that's where our movement's going to come in. We have to figure out the underlying issue as to why this has been occurring, right? And that's our job as the physical therapist or the, the you know healthcare provider, figure out the underlying why rather than just treating the symptoms. But in the meantime, yeah, let's get, we know this unbound molecules um, have, have aggregated here. Let's flush that out and let's allow this person to kind of start fresh and see if we can get this to, you know, to bind correctly. So, you know, it's not all about the manual, but that's showing us that there is something happening on this molecular level when we do these manual techniques that is for the good, it's, it's positive. So we know that, you know, we can give them this window of opportunity to exercise with less pain, with less of that un, that sticky stuff in there. And then hopefully we can give them the right you know, to movement tools, exercise tools, lifestyle changes, everything like that to hopefully make the changes long term. But in the short term, we're giving them some relief. And I think people, some people will look at this study and say, oh, well, just exercise. That'll do the same thing because we know exercise moves fluid, moves water, moves lymph, moves uh, molecules. And yeah, it does. But if you're going to if someone's in this pain and you're going to say, well, let's do this exercise, it's going to do the same thing. Okay, they're just going to go through pain. It might feel better after a few sets, but why not? If it takes us five, 10 minutes to do a little manual and then we can do that exercise and they can do all the sets pain free. They're more likely to continue doing that. And even if they have some pain later that day, they could even do a little self, you know, self mobilization of the tissues to get some of that fluid moving. Or they're just going to be like, oh, I know I know I can do this. I did it earlier. Whereas if they just push through the pain right off the bat, they're less inclined to stick to it later on the next day and, and, and so on. So I think this study was really, really cool in, in showing us what's happening on that small cellular molecular level versus prior to that, we've just kind of been going off this. Oh yeah, I know people's pain goes away, but we don't know why. Right. So this is showing us on that small scale, what is actually happening in there, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And like Nick just said, Maybe not everybody needs that manual therapy component. So you might have some patients that come in that can skip that part and you can just go right to exercise because we're not saying that, like Nick said, we're not saying that exercise is not going to create the same response there between the tissues because it probably is. But could you get a patient to be more optimal in that situation if you were to do some sort of manual therapy influence to get them to move better? And, And I think that's where the skill comes in to determine who that patient is. And what you need to do with that patient to get them to that point. And I, I think to say that manual therapy isn't skillful is is quite honestly, I would argue and say you're, you're not correct there. And like Nick was saying, it's not the actual manual therapy that you're doing is not skillful because yes, anybody can rub grass and tools on somebody's you know limb or back or whatever. But to determine not only where to do that, but how to do it and you know, with which patient you can do that with, I think that's where the skill comes in.
1: Yeah, and the skill also comes in too. If someone comes in with knee pain and you're like, oh man, you see you see some stuff or you feel some of that tissue stiffness and density going on at the foot or the calf. So you treat there and then that, whoa, now my knee feels better when I do this squat or do this lunge. You know, that's where the skill comes in too. When you can, okay, say, oh, I know the pain's here, but I know that's not usually the source of it. And then you dive into other areas You feel around, you poke around, be like, "Wow, this is really stiff." Let me see if I can get this moving better. Once it's moving better, go figure. They feel a little bit better. They move better. They feel the movement differently. Now they can try to replicate that feel later on when they're on their own. So we know that the movement, the exercises, the lifestyle changes, the you know the the positional changes, all that stuff that we are going to dive into as the potential you know cause of the the underlying uh, cause of the issue. That's what we're going to say. This is what I want you to focus on. This is how I want it to feel. You know, that the manual therapy is only an adjunct. It's only going to help that. But when we combine them, that's going to create for one, a more positive experience for the individual, but it might also give you better outcomes in a sense that the person is going to feel better with it and they're going to have experienced it with a little bit less discomfort. So they know they can get back there versus having to just push through everything all the time.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, to kind of go back to what Nick was saying about, you know, that hands-on approach with certain movements and, you know, just the hands-on approach anyways, there's a lot of studies out there that talk about the importance and how effective and powerful the human touch can actually be just by touching somebody's elbow or knee. And that that kind of goes along this pain science route, which can be a rabbit hole on itself. And that could be a different podcast for a different day. But there are some practitioners out there that don't do anything besides talk to people. Yeah. And they get better. Well, how's that work? So, I mean, that just tells you how powerful the brain actually is. But in, in this regard, I'm talking about it in terms of the human touch. And there's plenty of research that can back up the positive effects of human touch and its a, its impact on, like, the physical and emotional components of manual therapy. So it's it's out there. And I think that a lot of people forget about that. And if you've ever, like, had a massage or if you've got a family member that, like, gives you that human contact, it's different. We were talking about hugs with Megan Kinsey the other day the other week and that's that's huge. I mean, that has a I mean, I'm not a huggy person, but I get it and I do understand it. And it's if it's the right person and it's at the right time, then there's a lot of research to show that there's a lot of pain relieving power of the touch. And you know, you can even go deep and look at like serotonin levels and endorphins that are flowing through people's bodies with the actual touch of a human. So you can even take it a step further and they've even done functional MRI studies showing correlations of the brain's response to touch and its impact on people's pain so it's it's out there i mean they've actually looked at like mental imagery and manual therapy And how they can see that there's an increase in proprioceptive input in some of those areas that you're working on, which can actually help the brain, quote unquote, map that area and and improve function. Like you were talking about, you know, with with having your hands on somebody's ankle while they're doing a certain movement, like you're mapping that brain like that. That brain is like getting that feedback. and It's like, all right, this is what I need to do, you know, so it it can work in that respect, too.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a huge limitation with research. And that's why you're going to find any any issue at hand. You're going to find it, research on both sides, right um, in the human movement world, I would say the biggest consistency we've seen in terms of positive results is with ex- based around exercise and that makes sense because we're you know as humans our species is is meant to move I, I mean any most animals are meant to move, but we are meant to move, so exercise is a form of movement, so yes the results will be positive but the pro the big limitation with research is that in order to make it scalable, repeatable, um, comparable, you have to make a model, right? You have to have some sort of a blueprint. So that's the problem is we create these models. So it's a model of manual therapy. It's So in the research study, it'll be, oh, yeah, we perform manual therapy. What was manual therapy? It was 15 minutes exactly of this particular motion of in this particular direction, of the, right? And, and what we've been saying this whole time is that essentially – You need to figure out what works for that particular person. What you did with the previous person is likely not going to work with that person. Something similar may work, but it won't be exactly the same. So that's where the skill comes in. And that's why the research will be um, underwhelming, so to speak, when you look at all this stuff, because it's going to be a particular model of it that they're studying. It's not this, you know, all these variety of tools that we're adapting to the particular situation each every hour we're switching it up because it's a new person, right? So that's where the skill and that's where the the experience comes in. You need reps at it, right? We're not we're not architects, and the human body is not a building, right? It's we're we're very very complex systems. The human body is a complex system. So you know the, these blueprints and protocols that we see in the research they're an entry point they're a way in but it's not necessarily how we need to go about every single thing right we have to stay adaptable we have to have numerous tools in that toolbox so we can pull another one out if that first one's not working and so on so we need to stay adaptable have some variety to our uh the way we practice and and go from there
0: yeah and i mean I, i i think it's still okay to you know, follow some of these people. And I think it's still okay to take everything with a
1: grain of salt because I mean, the people that we're talking about, we still follow them. I mean, we still love their content. You can. (laughs) So this is the funniest thing to me nowadays is because every, every issue nowadays is so polarizing. Everybody's got this myopic, narrow-minded view about everything. But once you see, you could love, you could love someone's, this is my favorite thing. People will rave about someone's content. And the minute they say something that they don't, that doesn't align with them, they hit the airfall. Yeah. Yep. Oh, pfft, this person sucks. Yep. It's like, whoa, you you were just raving about them last week. You can you can follow someone and love their stuff, and then they they post something you don't like, or they do something you don't like. That's still okay. You still like most of their stuff, or you still aligned with most of their stuff. You don't have to dislike that person. Now it's it's the craziest thing, right? You don't have to agree with a hundred percent of what everyone says. But you you still want to listen and t- see both sides of the argument and then make your take in all the information and then make your own decision you're your own person but you don't have to just start a fight with everybody because you know they said something that went against what you believe it's it's the craziest thing the way we, the way we operate
0: yeah and you know do do us a favor and if you are a profession in, in the industry and you see something that you don't agree with, just don't comment on it. If you want to throw it a like, throw it a like. If you don't want to throw it a like, just... And if you don't like the content, just unfollow it. It's fine. You don't have to comment on it. It's funny because uh, I actually had this conversation with... And I was fortunate to meet Kelly Storette about three months ago. And he was going off on this. Like he... And you know, you can just imagine the amount of trolls this guy gets. So he was uh, explaining something one day and he was calling... because you also have to think like when we're when we're talking on social media we're talking to our clientele we're not talking to other professionals you know and and that's sometimes hard for us to get over because we want to sound like we know what we're doing but at the end of the day we're talking to John Doe down the street that has knee pain we're not talking to Dr. John
1: of yeah
0: exactly <laughs> yeah and John Doe physiotherapy is not coming in and paying for my service John Doe that has knee pain down the street is So, and he was telling us a story about how he was treating this guy and he was referring to his quadricep or his rectus, right? As his upper thigh. And somebody had to just come in and say, it's not an upper thigh. It's a rectus femoris. And he goes, dude, I know it's a fucking rectus femoris. I'm not an idiot. I went to school too. But, and he had a good analogy and he said, you know what? If you're going to say something, say something positive. Don't say something negative. And if you don't want to say something, don't say something at all. And he goes, everybody that comments on my stuff. Y'all get a seat at the dinner table, but you, you don't get a seat at the dinner table. You're off the fucking dinner table. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I like that analogy. You know, just be respectful and pass the salt. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: yeah, same, same goes for doing stuff. Too. Like when you see a cool exercise and you want to use it with everybody, it, that's, that's not how that works, right? You have to use that when it's appropriate. And same idea if you see something that you don't like or you, you used to use something or you've used something in the past. But then the person that you don't like does it and you stop doing it. It's all crazy. It's all crazy stuff. Um, We're we're getting, you know, way out of hand with this kind of stuff. It's again, you have to keep it in the toolbox if it looks or if you think it will be effective or appropriate for that person, use it. Right. So with we're talking about manual therapy today, you don't have to use manual therapy. We're not saying you have to. But we're also saying that if you choose to use it, great. Just know when to use it and, and, you know speak about it in the right way and tell the patient or client what it is, what it isn't. Right. But if you don't want to use it, you don't have to. It's fine. It's totally fine. Yep. Well said. And I think that's
0: really what it comes down to. If you decide you want to use it and you decide that it's justifiable and it's going to help your patient reach their goals, I say, go have at it, you know, just make sure that you're explaining to them why you're doing it. And that makes sense. So, all right. I think we've beaten up manual therapy enough. I think most people know where we stand on this subject. So what are we going to talk about in our next episode? This is going to be actually a fun one because Nick and I have already been debating about this one already. Actually, this might be the first podcast where we're actually sitting on different sides of the table, literally. (laughs) Um,
1: And And it won't be totally different sides. We'll
0: be at the same table, but just eating eating a slightly different meal. Yeah, like like I'm eating my steak rare and he's eating it medium rare. So we're like on the same page, but we just like our food a little differently. This debate is going to be referring to cardio, but in regards to what building muscle on cardio, right? Yeah. Will it hurt will it, will it, will it hurt, hurt your gains, gains basically? So that's going to be the topic of next week and you know can you still build muscle while incorporating cardio in your routine? And we're not going to say yes or no yet because we want you to listen to the podcast, but we're going to give both of our takes on on the situation. So needless to say, we have a little research and experience to back up our stories. So if you feel that you may or may not be on one side of the, the, uh, the other, I think it's a good listen for you regardless with the cardio. I think, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to be throwing some research in there, but I'm going to be throwing some experience in there too, (laughs) because I don't have a problem with hypertrophy. So I'm going for it, (laughs) but Nick's got both. So he's going to throw his experience and and his research in there. And I'm sure it's going to be more research than me because that's what he does. So, all right. Anyways, the moral of the story for today to all of those influences that that say that manual therapy is useless, then um, that's your opinion. And I think our response to you is that it's okay if you do. You know, And I think it's okay at the end of the day that as long as we're treating our individual and they are meet, meeting their goals and they're responding well and they're doing everything that you want them to do, then I think it's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Now, I don't want anybody to base their opinions off what they're seeing until they've actually done it for themselves. Okay, And I think you should actually do some manual therapy to determine whether or not That might be the thing for you. And if it's not and you've tried it, then that's fine. You've made your decision. But don't discredit others for the way that they treat their patients. All right. That's like my take home. So this is where you as the professional, if you are a professional, has to decide where you fall on the manual therapy spectrum. Now, I'm going to leave you with this. Touch has a memory and it can be very powerful. So now, if you decide to use that touch, then make sure it creates a good memory thank you for joining us in the rack this week make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes you can also find us online at proformptma.com or on social media at proformptma and remember if you train inside the rack
1: you better be thinking outside the rack